Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Liz Loza here with Matt Harmon and... (gasps) Back from Mexico is producer Brett very, very relaxed. Probably the most relaxed you've ever seen me. I mean. Whatever happened south of the border certainly put you in a zen state. Definitely. If there's one thing I can say about Brett today, he's been very zen. I have some notes on the last podcast. Oh, good notes? I do wear you more of a wayfarer <laughs> sunglass. And we use the, the term Two condom or double condom a lot in the last episode. Oh, for the a record, lot. for the record, I definitely for a fantasy was not football podcast. I was da- condoms you know? were brought up w- way too much. Well, this is the first note we're getting about it, so I wanted to bring it up on the on air that note, so there's accountability. But continue on with the show. I'll be quiet. Happy Please Hump don't. Day, Harmon. Do you know it's funny because we're recording this in a closet, essentially, is what our podcast studio is. And there's a large amount of regular office workers in this part of the building um, who I'm certain at this point are like, what in the actual hell are people doing in there? Um, and you know what we're doing in here, Liz? We're having fun on hump day. Making magic. Making magic, Brett. You know who else? Another Brett who oh, made Christ. magic. This is on this is on my radar, by the way. Eons, it feels like, and that is the Favre, who Instagrammed. Yes, Brett Favre is on the IG, on the gram. Uh, he Instagrammed yesterday that he'd be coming out of retirement for the 2020 season. Matt, I'm nope. guessing you have big feelings about this. Where is Brett Favre being drafted next summer, other than by the XFL? Wow, nailed that joke. Um, I think. That between Brett Favre, I, I guess this was didn't TMZ report this was a hack? Is that it what this was a was? hack? But I, I I wrote this like I want you to guys to say like if Brett Favre were Please, on yes. X NFL team, no, no. Like where like would he be QB? Somewhere between Ryan Tannehill and Joe Flacco. It's like mid twenties. He would he would die in a second. Have you seen the man lately? He looks like he's a hundred. Matt, do you think we're all taking this very seriously? I'm taking it very seriously. Between between Brett Favre Instagramming that he's coming out of retirement and OJ getting on Twitter, talk about the two things that no like no one asked for this. No one asked for any of this. Sometimes you don't ask for stuff and it comes at you anyway, buddy. That is f- very true. But sometimes it is things like Brett Favre, the most tired, 
awful story. Why is this such a trigger for you? You know, what I think, you know what I think it is actually. I think because when I was really becoming like a hardcore football fan was probably around like 2007. You know, and at that point, it was like, okay, I'm all in on this. Like, I'm playing fantasy. I'm, you know, I'm in on all these teams. I want to know everything about the league. So I would like, ah, oh, there's an NFL Network channel. I can't believe there's a channel about football. There's an NFL Network channel. I'm going to get on. The, I'm going to watch this all the time. And then suddenly that offseason, it became Favre Watch 24-7. And all of the goddamn NFL Network would talk about was Brett Favre and some goofball reporter Pants sitting on the outside ground. of his lawn. Yeah, sitting outside <laughs> of his damn yard, like looking in binoculars like, what's Favre doing today? We're all what's Favre watching. I, Just so, so you guys know, Matt actually took off his glasses for that bit and pretended to use binoculars with his hands. That's how that's, that's how committed he is to this whole that, thing. That's how that's how annoying I think the far watching is. So I think that is why it was a trigger because during my formative years, the very incubator stage of my hardcore incubation football, stage, whatever hardcore football fandom, it was ruined by far watch. Well, yes, so ruined that you ended up on the NFL Network, and now sitting next to me podcasting. So actually, maybe the passion that you recognized via this Brett Favre stakeout is something you can be grateful for. Sometimes you can look at the downs of life and realize that they are gifts. I would, com- I completely agree. And once again, Liz, your great perspective on life and your general loveliness has grounded me once again. You're welcome. Speaking of current sagas that don't end... The Kyle Rudolph saga continues. Well, except maybe Vikings actually. Too. There's a connection here. Correct. Yeah. Was Kyle Rudolph actually playing on that Brett Favre team? I don't know. No, no, like no, when no. Vasante no. Shanko like, like, was a thing. Oh, remember the locker room oops with Vasante Shanko? Yeah, hogs, I'll never forget hogs it. Out, oh. Let me tell you what. <laughs> but their current tight end, who they will be tied to for the next, oh my goodness, four years. Yeah. Until until Kyle Rudolph is approximately 33 years old, um, he they extended him. Uh, he's going to earn an average of nine million per year. Uh, that's about 1.7 million over his last deal. Meanwhile, the team spent a second round pick on Irv Smith Jr., a player that we have talked about quite a bit. In fact, we talked about him a few weeks ago on the May 16th episode. If you just want to pause that this right now and head back to the May 16th episode in case you haven't listened. Producer Brett did an excellent job of putting timestamps so you could review that. But I will tell you basically that in that episode, Matt and I highlighted Irv's advanced blocking technique. Matt mentioned that Kyle Rudolph was no longer a downfield element. He averaged nine point nine yards per reception in 2018. Uh, he's coming off the worst statistical season since 2015. And we both agreed that Smith was a better pass-catching weapon overall. So there seems to be a lot of confusion here. Mike Zimmer wants to run. This looks like it might be a two-tight end system, except who's the third passing option? Delvin Cook? Like, I, I, I don't know. Well, I think why we like this Vikings receiver cores because it's very highly concentrated up at the top. For fantasy, you know, sure. Um, you know, they have two elite players up at the top, and then there's really nothing going on after that. I think you're right. There probably will be a lot of two tight end sets, um, you know, depending on how Irv, how ready he is for prime time in his first year, as we all know. Rookie tight ends a very slow developing position. We all know this to be true. But that's because, hold on, that's because of their blocking technique. And I think you could argue that 
in fact, you said this on the May 16th episode, that Kyle Rudolph today is a better blocker and probably player than Irv Smith. But is there a scenario in which Kyle Rudolph is being leaned upon as a bridge, but in-game more as a blocker so that they can get Irv Smith downfield reps? Yes, I think that's... I think that's probably right. And you're right to highlight the bridge part of this because I think what's important to note is that this is really like a one-year deal. What they've done is they've taken a lot of the cap hit, cap hit away from the team this year, which we all know that the Vikings need because everybody's taken restructures on this uh, team except Kirk Cousins. He's the only one not restructuring his deal. Uh, but they do have an out this next offseason. So we could be talking sometime you know, a year from now. Kyle Rudolph is on a new team because his cap his cap hit goes from three point five this year to eight point eight next year, and they can get out of that with a little with less dead money uh, than they can this year. So I think that we could easily see him gone next year. And this was just a situation where hey, we're going to placate the, the player who feels a little disrespected. We're going to give him some more upfront money this year, and we're going to kick his cap hit down. You know, down the down the line. And but we're not going to be dealing with Kyle Rudolph in, in a Minnesota uniform next year. I think from a fantasy perspective, obviously, this opens up conversations about general tight end strategy because it's such a wasteland. You got to draft one at some point. Um, It sucks. Rudolph's right now, ADP is putting him in the 12th round. Smith going basically undrafted. So those are options that aren't really great anymore. No, thank you to really either of them. Outside of like no, best, thank you. Um, outside of like best ball. So I guess, Matt, I have to ask you, are you reaching for Kelsey, Ertz, or Kittle? Kelsey currently going in the second round. He's at the 203 spot. And then Ertz and Kittle going pretty close to one another at the top of the third round, middle of the third round. And there's a lot of... Um, this is 12-team exercises. A lot of buzz about... Travis Kelsey is a potential first-round pick because— This is the Gronk spot. This is the Gronk spot, and you can argue that Travis Kelsey is in—I mean, he's in a dream spot because we're all sitting here like, oh, Tyree Kill, who is probably going to play this year, but like, oh, Tyree Kill, he's going to be missing games. Is Sammy Watkins, do we give him a boost? No, don't do that. Well, is Mikael Hardman, is he going to be the guy? I don't know. He's a rookie, maybe. But the answer is probably just Travis Kelsey, who already showed a great communication with Patrick Mahomes last year and really could be the gravitational pull of this passing game under this great young quarterback. So he's in a great spot. And also, there's not a lot of, like, I really want to take, after the top four running backs, it's not like, I really want to take this guy from picks 6 to 12, really, in the first round. So I wouldn't hate anyone taking Kelsey in the back half of the first round. You're basically taking him instead of OBJ. Sure. At the same sure. spot. And like, it's a and it's a positional scarcity question. Right. In terms of Ertz, haven't found myself drafting Ertz very much. Or Kittle, frankly, even though I really like like Kittle's spot. I think the more interesting question is actually the next two guys or the next in between the next the next three guys well, on I the think ADP. Why list. are you not taking Ertz? Because I think there's a conversation. I don't want to say the word regression because I don't want you to, like, side-eye me too hard. I'm not going to side-eye you. <laughs> um, Ertz is going to lose volume if the reports about Dallas Goddard potentially taking a step forward are true. I don't think it's crazy to think that they're, that Doug Peterson would use two tight end sets. He said he wanted to. He's a creative, offensive mind. This makes sense. Kittle also... 
if the Dante Pettis hype is real, will not nearly see the volume. That doesn't mean he's not going to produce. It doesn't mean he's not going to be great. But you're looking at a third-round pick. So would you rather have somebody like A.J. Green or Devonta Freeman instead of a question mark or half? I mean, not all of those guys have question marks. But if you're leaning in towards positional scarcity and also looking at potential value, to me, I'd rather take a, like, in the third round, um, not a flyer, but I'd rather lean into a potential bargain with Devonta Freeman at a position that's pretty volatile as well instead of peak value tight end in a situation where I know there's going to be regression. That's just generally where, yeah, I found myself wanting to build teams is taking that potential difference-making wide receiver one at a wide receiver two price tag there or something like that. I mean, the great, like, the way to really build a tough-to-beat team right now at this point is to get one of those top four picks, and you come back around on the two, three-round turn, you don't go around taking one of those tight ends. You take, you know, an A.J. Green and a Stefan Diggs. You take a Adam Thielen and a, you know, whoever else is there. I mean, there's a lot of ways you can stack two great wide receivers with a great running back right up at the top and you're in a really good spot. Um, But my question to you, Liz, is so the next few guys to come off the board is like OJ Howard, Eric Ebron, who I'm not, I'm not drafting Eric Ebron where he's going. I haven't really thought about it once. Mo Alley Cox, baby. Mo Alley Cox and Jack Doyle's back. Yeah. The the Colts passing depth chart suddenly looks Not concentrated. No, it suddenly looks a lot more spread out. Um, But the other guy that's interesting here. O.J. Howard and Hunter Henry, those two guys to me, do you have a lean between the two of them? Because they're the ones that are kind of right there in that tier two that I think are really appealing. In best ball, I am leaning towards O.J. Howard. I actually just took him in the fourth round of a best ball draft I'm in right now for Ooh, fantasy fourth cares. Is, yep. fourth is, uh, well, it's a super flex to QB. Sure. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, it's yeah, all yeah, the yeah. things. Yeah, all the things. So um, I was aggressive. Oh, the eliminator. Yes. Yeah, I always forget. Like I was. We're in one, so many. Yeah. We're, well, we're in yeah. so many, but like I always forget with those that I'm like, oh yeah, this is a super flex until I get to round two, and I'm like, oh, everyone's man, why are there all these values on the board? I'm like, ah, oh, damn, because everybody's taking <laughs> Kirk Cousins in the damn second round. We'll we'll talk about some best ball stuff on another show, but back to tight ends. I think I, for consistency, I'm going to lean towards Hunter Henry a little bit more. Okay. I like. Mike, well, I liked Mike Williams a lot heading into last year because Henry was going to be ob- absent and because he has an obvious red zone presence. I think a lot of that Williams hype is going to depreciate with Hen- Henry's entrance, and he did light it up so much in his, his first year. O.J. Howard is incredibly athletic, um, but Bruce Arians' play calling and the other options they have there make me a little bit more worried about— hmm his consistent usage. Like, he's going to have some incredible big games. I'm just not sure if he's going to see regular targets. So it would depend on the balance that I'm creating on my roster. Interestingly, I think I actually, like, feel the exact opposite. Oh, that's not surprising. wild. Um, Because with O.J. Howard, I actually think this Bucks offense has a chance to be really highly concentrated between their top three players. And, you know, granted, we're talking three instead of two, but, like, you got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin on the wide receiver Mm -hmm. depth chart who we both expect to see 100-plus targets. The actual interesting question, I guess, is how many does Evans just funnel to himself versus what does Godwin get and trickles down? But beyond those two, like, there's nothing going on there at the wide receiver. You're talking like Justin. It's a pretty bad defense, too, so you imagine Winston's going to be passing. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. We're we're into Godwin this year because of the the intersection between opportunity within a great, uh, maybe not a great offense, but certainly a pass-friendly offense, one that's going to get the ball downfield. And also just the intersection of opportunity that Godwin's going to get via a promotion because 
Deshaun Jackson's gone. Adam Humphreys is gone. And like, who's on this depth chart other than that? It's like Justin Watson, this Scotty Miller guy that people are piping up about in, in, uh, in training camp. And uh, of course, you can't forget the great Brashad Perryman. So, I mean, like, that's what we're working with in Tampa Bay right now at the wide receiver room. And, and then there's no pass catching running back on this, on this roster unless Ronald Jones becomes the goat that you hope he will be. Uh, or I guess we hope he will be at this point. So it's really, OJ Howard is right there with these two guys, and I think. But how's the like? How would the Chargers be that? I mean, you've got Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, and then a bunch of question marks as well, except for Melvin Gordon. Except for Melvin Gordon, and I also think and the guys behind Melvin Gordon, the Northwestern kid. Yeah, Austin Austin Eckler catches passes, uh, and they also the Chargers want to be more run heavy than the Bucks want or even what could possibly could be. imagine yeah. being so that's another thing to think about and yeah i think the interesting question with hunter henry is just mike williams versus hunter henry which one do we think is like the number two there in terms of the passing distribution i was on the uh chargers uh official podcast with uh, my buddy old buddy from the nfl uh chris hayry who's hosting that show oh, yeah yeah we were talking about uh some chargers and fantasy players yesterday and this was a big discussion that we we got into which is i like mike williams a lot for what he is and um i, I just wonder do those two kind of cannibalize off each other I don't know, especially in scoring position. But either way, I'm I'm in on both of these players if you miss out on one of those top three tight ends. Interestingly, Evan Ingram is sandwiched via ADP between the two of them. You got some feels about him. I mean, I'm just – no. I, I think I'm just going to – because of the offense. Yeah, I'm just gonna, The small ball ma'am offense. The small ball ma'am offense that might transition to the WTF offense with Daniel Jones on her center. The breadstick uh, offense. <laughs> what uh, about David Njoku? I actually wrote him down. He's the guy. He's going in the eighth. He's the guy, though? That's another offense that I think is compl- – we talked about this, I feel like, on our last podcast when Brett wasn't here. Um, is that, you know, this Browns offense, if if we do believe the hype, I think could be really spread out. And then it's like, I think OBJ gets all his, but what the rest of these guys look Landry. It's a crumbs situation. And- Higgins could be they're, – they're a team that, like, I would maybe wouldn't mind Njoku in, in best ball too, but, like – but if Njoku's going in the eighth round, I looked at the other players that are going around the same spot. Sterling, Shep- Sterling Shepard, um, Gmo in Green Bay, Jarek McKinnon. If I'm taking my tight end one and it's David Njoku and it is, to your point, you usually talk about, like, range of possible outcomes. So, like, David Njoku's range of possible outcomes could be a top seven tight end and he's going in the eighth round. I don't think you have the same ROI on those other players who are going at the same spot. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, you're you're probably just I think if you're taking him at tight end ten in the eighth round, you're taking him near that that peak yeah. range. So it's a fine buy. It's one that I don't hate. Uh, but the range I think is a little from a weekly perspective wide, even if from a, a season long. So this opens up a conversation about streaming, which is a popular strategy that people use. So if you get Njoku and it's not happening, then you can pivot to streaming. There are let's talk about some later round guys too. Um, Oof. Mark Andrews, calm down. I'm gonna make you feel okay. I actually, I like. I know this you pick. do. That's why I'm, I wrote it down for you. Thank you. Liz. You're welcome. Once again, this podcast is just all about you keeping me afloat. Um, no, keeping you happy and content. Even better. Um, Mark Andrews, very interesting. Uh, Mark Andrews is. Um, I think he's good. I think he's their best tight end. Um, he's you like the, him in, uh, more than Giants fan. Hayden Hurst. Yeah. 
He said something weird on Twitter the other day. He or, tweaked something too. Uh, yeah, he's always hurt and he's like yeah. 100 years old. He's very old. He's, for, tw- he's your age. He, he's No, he's, he's younger than me. <laughs> no, I think he's like 26. I'm not 26. Oh, okay. I'm 27. I'll be 28. About to be 28 I'll on 28. August. No, 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 no. I do not need – I searched Hunter Henry. What are we doing? Hayden Hurst. Uh, we don't need – the people out there do not, do not need to be – Brett, when is your birthday while Matt searches? Is it August 12th? It is not. Is it August 9th? <laughs> it Hayden, is not. Hayden Hurst on August, baby. August 24th. Oh, you Leo's. Leo's. He will be 26. This is, do you know what's great? Like, side note, Leo's run my life. The My first love, and you can put whatever you want into the word first, was a Leo. What? Like, I thought the first would mean, like, the uh, initial, the first love, like, the first in a series of loves. You are misconstruing <laughs> my first. Back to condom talk. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Dad is back in town. So my first love was a Leo. My husband's a Leo. And you two chuckleheads are Leos. <laughs> chuckleheads. <laughs> so many. Yeah, you Leos do something to me. Anyway. Um, speaking of um, doing something, do we think either any of these two old guys in the late tight end range like or late tight end one range could do something like Delaney Walker, Greg Olson? I find myself rather interested in these two guys. I'm not interested in Delaney Walker. I, I kind of am. I I don't know. I, Johnny Smith, who did not prove to do much of anything last year and is hurt currently, was drafted. He was comp to Delaney Walker and drafted by the Titans to be Delaney Walker's uh, replacement for the future. So I'm just worried about, in a new-ish regime, how that's going to unfold. Greg Olson, Mr. Reliable, I am intrigued by. I think you have to keep an eye on Ian Thomas in that situation. good call. Um, My Panthers. But I also prefer... So Mark Andrews, you talked about the athletics, Jeff Zerubic or whatever, writes, um, <laughs> I've never been good at names. Welcome for the shout out. That he looks bigger, stronger and faster. And I think we also have to remember that Mark Andrews did bail out Baker Mayfield on more than one occasion in Oklahoma. So his some of his tape is some of the most athletic tape. Mm-hmm. I also like in that same draft class, Mike Gusecki, who we've talked about. I know. I don't understand why you don't like him. Like his spark scores are great. Adam Gase killed him last year. He he caught like twenty of twenty one catchable targets last year. His he's not inefficient. He his usage was a disaster. And no, you're right. Fitz is going to make him a stud. I he's, yeah. You're, it's I'm not right. Fitz who's going to make him a stud. Haven't you been reading all the? I have been reading reports? all of it, but I'm just telling you, Liz has not allowed me to bring up this on any podcast so far. She's blacklisted uh, that we talk about the, the fact that, that no, that Ryan Fitzpatrick is uh, the starting QB in Miami for now and uh-huh. for always. For now. For now and for always. Okay. Um, <laughs> Till he throws like five picks in week three. Gusecki has added 13 pounds. So hashtag best shape of his life alert. Thank you, Marcus Grant, for creating that on Twitter. It's the best thing. Also, um, another tight end, Darren Waller. Getting lots of love, but if you're going to draft after Hard Knocks, you're going to overpay for him because he's going to get the Hard Knocks. Oh, but the hard since knock he's bomb. a member of the Oakland Raiders, also worth mentioning, just because this guy is going to the hype train is already building around Darren Waller. But so you know, if you are listening to our podcast in June, you're ahead of the game. He's a converted wide receiver, 74% spark athlete, was forgotten about because he was suspended for all of 2017 when he was in Baltimore for violating the league substance abuse policy. And per 
Oakland's OC Greg Olson. He is definitively the Raiders' starting tight end. He's the why. So when you look at what Jared Cook did there, 19% target share, obviously that's going to change because Antonio Brown has come to town. But still, solid volume. Darren Waller becomes an intriguing an intriguing potential sleeper. And he's going undrafted currently. Pretty exciting. Pretty exciting, the Darren Waller situation. Also, pretty exciting that the Raiders are going to be on hard knocks. I got some thoughts. Oh, let's hear it. I don't want, no. Come on, that's not more, yet. not yet? I mean, I I guess it's fine. Like, I, well, here's what I can't handle is Gruden saying, like, I don't want this attention. Oh, yeah, I don't want this attention. Yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. want the attention more than you're the thirstiest bitch on the block. <laughs> Get the f*** out of here. <laughs> Sorry, but this is see. This is what, hey, Dad. <laughs> we're already we're already uh, we're, he's like completely just zoned out right now. Uh, we're already building up the intrigue of why this is so fascinating because Gruden is just such a clown, and he's adding it's he's adding to it. You know, it's all part of the show. All part of the show. Start the circus music. Do Start? they have circuses anymore? Do those even exist? Have they been illegally are, I think banned? Circuses are kind of problematic. I believe. Yeah, they I'd say so. <laughs> I believe the use of animals has been basically, you know, at least in American circuses. I don't believe they use elephants or lions or tigers. I, like they still have jugg- like nice. jugglers and clowns and like dudes. Tightrope walkers. and tra- Yeah, trapeze sort of stuff. But I believe the use of animals has been thankfully Is Cirque du Soleil out. considered a circus? Or- that's that's cir- I mean, I know, circus. And- but is that considered a real circus? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, French people might like it. French people. <laughs> French Canadian folks. Anyway, moving forward. Um, God, I had thoughts about. Oh, every time I've been to a Cirque show, I always end up getting picked in the audience, and so oh, it's like a weird. Oh, yeah. I don't, don't ask like for it. I do not ask for it. Just got one of those faces. No one ever does. Or something else, but yeah, let's go with face. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about different um, tiers. Should we talk about tiers? Yeah, you know, like we're talking about circuses, clowns, tears of a clown, tears of. Fantasy football running backs and wide receivers. Did you reference this song? (laughs) (laughs) Is that by Smokey Robinson? I believe so. Oh, my God. I did it. I did it. And that, by the way, is like. It is. Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. Excellent. Excellent work. So let's talk about tiers and let's talk about players in each tier that are current stayaways. It's June. Anything can happen. Sometimes sometimes you discover something new about someone and, and feelings change. And so that is a possibility moving forward. But currently, stop looking at my notes. Look at your own notes. I'm curious what you got um, over there. <laughs> so, let's start with notes. running backs, tiers two through four. And I will also tell you, dear audience and listeners, that these were predetermined tiers by Brett, our producer, so that Matt and I would be working from the same Set of data. Well, the my methodology was I. Please used, do share. I'm sorry, I, Matt. I, feel, I feel attacked again. Go for it. Just go for it. I guess you host the show now, Matt. <gasps> I mean, am I not one of the hosts of the show? You are. That was a joke. Keep going. <sighs> the rankings, the tiers are based on the average of Yahoo experts, which does not include me. So let's start with the first tier of running backs. <laughs> Melvin Gordon, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, James Connor, and Nick Chubb. We're going to call that tiers t- tier two. Call that tier, tier two. two. We're going to throw call out tier, tier one. Two. We've talked enough right. about Saquon, yeah, Zeke. I don't We've, want to talk about any yet. of them. So um, which of those players are you least excited about staying away from 
whatever. Only one I'm really interested in here is David Johnson. The rest I can kind of take it or leave. I like Nick Chubb. You like Nick Chubb. I we like just Nick talked Chubb. about the efficiency argument. Yeah, I like Chubb. Nick Chubb. Uh, but Le'Veon Bell is the one I'm, I'm drafting the least of here. Okay. Uh, James Conner for me. Yeah, I don't find myself all that interested. Jazzed about him. And we've talked um, on previous episodes, too, about Jalen Samuels and Benny Snell and whether there is a, a potential uh, volume issue with Connor if he's being overdrafted because there's an assumption of copying and pasting. Obviously, Snell does not have the speed that a lot of people think is necessary, but the Steelers did invest a fourth-round draft pick in him, and they were pretty excited about him, and we know what Samuels can do. So for me, of that tier, James Conner is the one that I am most frequently fading. There's a lot of pop about this running back by committee in Pittsburgh, and I think you got to ask yourself, uh, there's, a t- there's two ways to look at it. You could say, look, they've always saddled up their top running back with workhorse-level touches. But then you got to ask yourself, well, that really did not end very well for their last workhorse running back who kind of took offense to that, you know, and basically was the reason that he wanted out of town. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's part of the changing of their ways. Or you can sit there and be like, look, when the games start, they're going to do what is always familiar to them. And in that case, if if James Conner gets that workload, then we probably both look like dum-dums here, you know, for fading. Overthinking it, perhaps. Or James Conner, who's had durability issues, isn't going to be able to stand up to it. That's quite possible. All right. Second tier, Todd Gurley, well, technically the third tier, the second we're discussing. Todd Gurley, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, Damian Williams, Marlon Mack, Derek Henry. You know, there's no one here that, like, it really stands out to me as someone I'm fading. Todd Gurley, obviously, you know, if you just don't want to deal with Mr. Arthritis, then you then you don't you don't deal with him at all here. You know, uh, you're, then you're just probably not going to draft him. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of in on all these players. So I wrote something similar. I'm not staying away, but I am the least excited about Todd Gurley because of the— It's hard to be excited. Right, but there's—if there's, you are going to be excited about anything, you're going to be excited about his value. Right, which right I have, there. in fairness, taken stabs yeah. on before. Um, but it, it just—there's there's never a point—I don't, I don't think there's a point between now and week one where you're going to feel better about it. Like, it's only going to continue to feel weirder and worse, I think. And I kind of like that there are all of these, that this is what sports media has decided to hone in on, and it's going to continue to depress his value. Um, yeah. It was in the, the most recent news piece is from Travell Gaines, who his, is his, is Todd Gurley's trainer, who confirmed that there is a, quote, arthritic component to Gurley's knee. It's no new news. It's just a confirmation. But again, of this tier, like Dalvin Cook, I can tell myself a great story about Dalvin Cook. Joe Mixon, same thing. Damian Williams, well, shoot. With Patrick Mahomes under center, I'm loving his yards after uh, yards after contact ability and like the Drink. ability to find ho- holes. Marlon Mack, we talked about him. We talked about the line. We talked about that offense. Derrick Henry, you touched his ponytail. Everything is changing for you now. Amen. You know, so... Let's move on to the next tier. Devonta Freeman, Aaron Jones, Leonard Fournette, on Johnson, Josh Jacobs, Philip Lindsay, Sony Michelle, Mark Ingram, David Montgomery, and Chris Carson. Lots of names there. Lots of potential depth. Lots of potential value. Which is the landmine in your estimation? It feels like there should be a – like this should be a, a t- actually – a break in the tier here at some point. I think Mark Ingram, David Montgomery, and Chris Carson just, and I'm not saying I don't like those players, but I don't think they belong in this tier. I think they should be another tier down. 
Sony Michelle is obviously slightly worrisome, though he is apparently going to get back at practice and all things will be well until they're not. Philip Lindsay stands out as somebody that I'm not drafting here. I think Philip Lindsay. Well, explain yourself. I, I think I know why, but go ahead. Philip Lindsay is coming back slowly from this wrist injury. Um, we know he's a smaller back. Royce Freeman is apparently performing well in the off se- in the off season. Drafted ahead of him and certainly capable. Right, he's, and he didn't. He wasn't bad. Like no. he wasn't bad as a rookie. He just wasn't good. He didn't in catch fan- lightning in a bottle. He just wasn't good in fantasy. Like he was a fine. He was fine as a runner. He just wasn't as he wasn't as good as Philip Lindsay. And therefore was not as good in fantasy. And everybody's pissed because he was overhyped, you know, because everybody gets in their stupid feelings. Um, and basically, I, I think that Royce Freeman could easily make this a, a 50-50, a 60-40 split. And at that point, then you're talking about a split backfield and offense run by Joe Flacco. So not great. Not great. Yes, yeah, so I'm gonna just, if I'm going to take one of these guys, I'm just going to take the cheaper one of them. It's also worth noting, too, the case for Royce Freeman that – them going to more of a zone running scheme, I think fits him better, fits him what he did in college better than hmm. what they were doing last year. I wrote Sony Michelle. I like your argument about Philip, Philip Lindsay. Um, I put down Sony Michelle mostly because I think Damian Harris is a more versatile back. And I don't think that Damian Harris, I, I, I'm not convinced that Damian Harris couldn't do Sony Michelle's job just as good, if not better, were he to be the workhorse. I, yep, I 100% agree with you. And when I look at Sony Michelle's knee, well, Maybe Damian Harris ends up doing that job. Also, Damian Harris, great uh, follow on Instagram. Really nice human being. And they took him in the third round. Like that's that's that's, high for a running back. That's That's an investment, especially after taking one in the damn first round. And especially in an offense that we know they're going to run when you have a 42 year old quarterback. Whoever Patriots running back A and B is, we care about them. It's when it gets to be like. A, B, C, D, that it gets to be confusing. So which one of these two guys is going to be the B to James White's A? There you if, go. if it's a B and C situation, then you get banged. So really, the, you, there's a couple ways you can get banged with taking Sony Michelle. There's really only one way that you get banged if it's Damian Harris. Who, and and who you're cares taking him, he's taking free. Him he's free. So it doesn't matter. What if I, I gotta, I, I'm going to confess to you guys something. I'm in on I'm like kind of in on Josh Jacobs now, and it's almost probably because I did the rookie orientation episode on it. I had to convince you of Josh Jacobs like a month yeah, ago. Yeah. Well, Liz, as usual, you're right, and I'm wrong. Okay. Why are you in on him? Uh, I think <laughs> I think <laughs> you're just gonna say I do this other. Is this an opportunity for you to promote the rookie orientation podcast? No. I, well, I think if you want me to take it away from the fact that like I might be more convinced after personal exposure after personal exposure in the rookie orientation podcast not that we do like we didn't talk to him or anything like that but i think that i am a little compelled by the story that he brings to the table from like a narrative street sort Mm -hmm. of whatever esoteric uh perspective however bring it just on a baseline perspective i think the doing the episode and going back and kind of thinking about him as a player more and listening to all the other analysts talk about him i'm more sold on that he's just going to be this special player and you are making me so happy right now and he also by the way like he's you know like the whole part the whole theme one of the big themes of this episode is that usually i would ask people like who is their player comparison for him but this was like i'm telling you mine and my player comparison for him is frank gore and i'm like why wouldn't i like frank gore in an offense that a young frank gore in an offense that i think is actually probably going to be good Mm -hmm. like the Raiders completely retooled this thing, you know, like it's not 
Derek Carr throwing a goddamn Marcel Aitman and Seth Roberts and, you know, all these other goofballs out there. This is Antonio Brown, Tyrell Williams, and the great Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro. <laughs> Hunter Renfro, by the way. He can catch like 60 oh, passes it's this gonna year. Go. You've been talking accident. to Daniel Jeremiah, haven't you? I mean, for on a rookie orientation episode yeah. uh, five or whatever. So Josh it was. Jacobs top twenty running back, if you yeah. did have to rank. Well, now that it's a, now that it might be a battle, I refuse to even think about rankings. Let's talk about wide receivers. Okay. <laughs> Tier uh, tiers one through three. By the way, again, I think tier one is too big. Should just be, do what be, Brett said. No. I can't do that. Uh, <laughs> do you just listen to dad? Tier one, I think, is really only DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, OBJ Odell, and Michael Thomas. Odell Beckham and Michael Thomas. Because, and then it stops. And then it stops because those guys, and I kind of hesitated on Michael Thomas a little bit, though. Maybe I shouldn't, but because those are the guys that I think I all think could finishes the the wide receiver one. I Number think that's one. in their range of outcomes. I do not see that as possible for Juju, Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, and certainly not T.Y. goddamn Hilton. I'm saying GD a lot too much in this podcast, Brett. I'm sorry. Fine. But, you know, it's offensive, I think. I, under, and I understand you on that that separation of tears there. But, I mean, look, this is... The, the website your, I use actually actually omitted Odell and Michael Thomas from that from that and said that the top tier was just Hopkins, Adams, and Jones, which I disagreed with. Yeah, I think I think Beckham, it said that the rest of the tier was Beckham oh. through Hilton. I just combined them into one. Oh, it's well. Look, then not your fault. So I think we're all no. in agreement that at least the top four players, same as the running backs. Let's not discuss them. Let's talk about the second tier then, because these are guys you're going to be picking, especially if you do end up with a, a running in your in the second round. This is the decision you're going to have to make, likely. So. Juju Smith-Schuster, and let's throw in Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas, Juju Smith-Schuster, Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, T.Y. Helton. I'm going to go first. I'm going to say Juju Smith-Schuster. And here, I'm really skeptical about Pittsburgh's offense. But I want to, you know, you often talk about Sigmund Bloom, who uh, you consider a uncle-father sort of mentor figure. Um, he, on Twitter, pulled a quote from an interview that Keenan Allen— not the same team. I'm aware of that. Don't at me. Yeah, I saw this. But yeah. Keenan Allen did on Undisputed, which is Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp show, regarding— My former gym buddy, Skip Bayless. Can I finish my point? Did I ever tell you we used to work out at the same gym? Nope. Didn't know that. Yeah. Super relevant. So Keenan Allen is on this show and talking about—was asked about Juju's transition from the number two to the number one receiver. And he said it was, quote— Life-changing, life-changing. It's going to be hard to sleep at night trying to find ways to get open. Different routes, different coverages you've you've got to look at. Double teams, double pressures, just everything, man. The whole game changes. It is foolhardy to assume that Juju Smith-Schuster is going to make a seamless transition into a new job. We have talked about it. You have charted it. Juju Smith-Schuster got open because he was working opposite perhaps one of the best route runners in the goddamn league. And so now... His job is just different. And I think it's crazy to assume, again, that there's just going to be an immediate copying and pasting of what happened before. All of the things that happened before do not necessarily mean that they're going to continue to happen. I completely agree. I actually saw that tweet by Sigmund, and I replied with this reception perception graph here. The people can find it if they just use hashtag reception perception and search one of the two players' names. 
it, I think it perfectly encapsulates that exact point. Antonio Brown in 2018, he faced press coverage on 47.5% of his charted routes, 73 or 70.3% that he faced man coverage. You look at Juju Smith-Schuster, 28.3% that he faced press coverage, 55.1% of his charted routes against man coverage. That's a huge difference. Give us his success rate, Juju's. Versus. I mean, he's he's never been good against man or press, or press coverage. Right. Um, and again, if you can you can find those numbers out there as well. Um, so the I what I've noticed over the last five years of doing this, especially recently collecting more data, is that number one, obviously, the success rate versus zone coverage league wide is obviously much higher than it is versus press or man. But also, yeah, the game's about accruing production, but how these players go about doing that is important. And I think that when you see a guy like Juju Smith-Schuster who's lining up off the line of scrimmage, because when you're that X receiver, you're lined up tight against the uh, the cornerback mm-hmm. when you're in press coverage like that. When you're a guy like Juju, you get that free release off the line of scrimmage because you're in the slot or you're in that flanker, the flanker position. position right? And that's a big, it's a big, it's Advantage. a big difference. And the amount and and the, you know, regression statistics that I've done on this data would show you. You're running more you, in routes too. Yeah, it's a totally different thing. And if you just look at Juju and Antonio Brown's route success rate charts in reception perception, you see, obviously, Antonio Brown green all over the place, sure. But where you notice Juju, highly successful on slants, curls, digs, all in but breaking, all the deep right? stuff, it's not there. I've, I agree with you that I don't know that this is going to end up mattering for fantasy because the targets will be there. He's obviously an objectively good player. If they don't change his role that much and he's still lining up, like if he lines up inside But the routes plenty, are going to be different. Like that is Keenan Allen's point. I, I think so. I think so. But they could Unless s- it's Dante Moncrief and that can't run a route. <laughs> oh, it's, I mean, or James Washington or, or someone. But either way, that's what I'm saying. Like for that, for the health of Pittsburgh's offense, this absolutely matters because Juju can stay in his role and still get very good production. But Pittsburgh absolutely has to have an outside vertical threat emerge, whether it's Dante Moncrief, whether it's James Washington, someone has to emerge or or this offense is going to look different, different because teams can crowd the middle of the field. They can defend Juju differently. So I agree, I agree with Keenan Allen's point. I agree with your point. Um, I think the reception perception data would would back that up. Again, I don't know that this is going to end up mattering for fantasy um, because – you're just he still might end up getting the targets and we all know targets is all that matters whatever but only if you can convert on them i, I don't have a conversation about like mike evans efficiency three years ago i agree i know i mean i agree i know it's it's just but the, the point is it's worth talking about even if this ends so up so if in that tier the one that i am the most worried about is juju smith schuster are you in agreement let's take ty hilton off of the list well, that, yeah i would have said ty hilton but yeah juju is probably the one that i'm uh, if we're comparing him to michael thomas Antonio Brown and Mike Evans and Mike Evans, especially at cost. Yeah, I'm worried about Juju. All right. Second tier, Amari Cooper, Keenan Allen, AJ Green, Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs and Robert Woods. What did you say? I said this is so easy for you. Yeah. Well, for one, Robert Woods doesn't feel like he belongs here. Um, uh, I would have Brandon Cooks ahead of Robert Woods anyways, but uh, taking him out of the equation either way. Amari Cooper does not belong in this tier to me. Interesting. I um, wrote down Adam Thielen. Oh, why? I've never been an Adam Thielen truther. I always felt like his production, while he certainly excelled in 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 many roles, it was manipulated. And if you look at his targets, they dropped significantly after Flip was fired. 
he, in fact, didn't have a single touchdown after that loss to Seattle, which caused the firing of Flip. So I also think that Diggs is more talented. You know I agree with that. (laughs) And so I think that even if this is a conversation about like offensive scheme and stuff, and I, I feel like if even if Adam Thielen was the Vikings number one receiver, Stephon Diggs is a number one receiver. And I would rather put my eggs in a talent basket instead of hoping that a manipulation when a, a front when when a coaching staff is saying we want to change things is going to continue. I agree with a lot of what you just said, especially from the talent angle, of course. Um, I am convinced, like, if people would even, like, kind of make the argument that Adam Thielen is a better route runner than Stefan Diggs, I think they're, I don't, they're either not watching football or they're really bad at watching football. Like, I think most people just think Adam Thielen's a great route runner because he's white, and that's it. Oof. But it's the truth. I mean, he's a, he's a fine route runner, but... He, what Again, he, it's a very similar situation to what we just talked about with— In Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yes, 100%. And, I mean, this is the same. So if I'm going to have problems with Juju, I'm going to have problems with Thielen. The only, th- the only thing I would say— Is the quarterback. Other, well, number one, cor- well, quarterback. I actually think quarterback's negligible. I think they Pittsburgh, fought. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh has an advantage there. I mean, in Minnesota. But I'm, I'm saying for the only thing I think that's actually in Thielen's favor, one, I think he's a better player. To, and Juju Smith-Schuster? Yes. Okay. I think he's a better player. I was actually, um, the day you and I met up in, uh, when I was shooting out in Burbank, I posted a poll that day of, like, who do you think is a better wide receiver, Adam Thielen or Juju Smith-Schuster? And I was like, I know this is a good poll because 50% of the responses are, Thielen, not even close. And the other 50% is, Juju, not even close. Uh, my favorite. That's my favorite. Um, you like the passion. I do like the passion. Um, I like it because if it, if two people are passionately arguing on both sides, I think you you have you've asked a good question. Sure. Um, unlike once when I asked who's a better receiver, Devin Funches or Alshon Jeffrey, and had to delete the poll within five oh, God, minutes Matt. because well, I just wanted to see if it was close, and it wasn't. I was like, oh, cool. My scientific discovery is has been done. I'm not going to have my mentions assaulted all day. But back to the point. I, it's a very similar role in terms of the deployment for Thielen, but. I don't have to ask who is who's the vertical outside presence because they have one. They have mm-hmm. Stefan Diggs. If Stefan Diggs was to evaporate, then yeah, I think we're asking the same question. I think though you're also looking at value here, and people are assuming that Adam Thielen is going to do what he did the first two thirds of the season, and that oh. th- that those numbers aren't true. I mean, if you if you even if you want to copy and paste, then copy and paste under what ha- I mean, the last month of the season happened. It did. And I think you're getting kind of the, the middle there. You're taking him sure. here in this tier as opposed – if he was going in the first tier, then yeah, I'd agree with you. People are assuming too much. He's going in the third round. That's, I think that's fine. Gross. Uh, the guy for me – by the way, the, the easy favorite here is A.J. Green because of all To the, stay away from. No, to, to, to like. Lean into value. Because yeah. he's the only one here that I could see actually jumping into tier one. We've talked about this. Yep. Very unlikely, but still. The guy to avoid here is Amari Cooper. No question. Okay. Final wide receiver tier, Julian Edelman, Kenny Galladay, Chris Godwin, Brandon Cooks, Allen Robinson, Cooper Cup, Tyler Lockett, Alshon Jeffrey, DJ Moore, and Calvin Ridley. I can't believe that Calvin Ridley is going after Alshon effing Jeffrey or DJ Moore, but so be it. Guys, I am avoiding here probably Kenny Galladay only because I hate the offense. I like the player. I hate the offense. Probably avoiding Alshon Jeffrey. At this cost, and not all that jazzed about Cooper Cup either. So I've dug into a theme. I thought about Alshon Jeffrey 
because of, you know, health and regression and all of the reasons that I'm and, and price and all of that. But I wrote down DJ Moore because, frankly, dear friend, Matt, you've convinced me to save capital and draft Curtis Samuel five rounds later in the 11th round. And also, if I've never been a Thielen truther, I can't very well jump on a DJ Moore bandwagon. We're not going to get any arguments from me there. Oh, then where's our podcast? Just two uh, people slapping each other on the back. Yep, here. that's exciting and fun. Just a couple chuckleheads. <laughs> you like chuckleheads. I love chuckleheads. All right, so any thoughts about that? No, nah, it works for me. Okay. Same goes for me double. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, one of Julie, my favorite madisms. I, I know you stole it, but. Julian Edelman, I actually think, should be a tier above, too. What do you think about that? Sure. And again, I think Brandon Cook should be over. Um, Robert Woods. Robert Woods. Yep. All right. Well, that was lively and exciting. And Brett, I am apologizing for all that you have to edit out of the middle of it. But I'm not. That's all my fault, though. It, true. It was <laughs> kind of your fault. What was? What will that edit be? You'll never know, listener. Matt, do you want to promo your pod again? Yes. Actually, I do want to promote my podcast uh, this week because Rookie Orientation episode on Noah Fant is coming out. Oh! And it will be the debut of the lovely Liz Loza on Rookie Orientation. Oh. Let me tell you what, I, you know, going through all the transcripts, oh, no. um, yours, by the way, super easy to navigate. There's some fun ones. Uh, like today I sent Patrick Clave on a copy of his tech, uh, his transcript because there's at one point that it just says noises, like in parentheses, like it's all, here's a sentence and then like he says something and just noises. noises. He, makes, he, he makes a noise and the transcription service just gets it as noises so fun um but you're great you're gonna be great on the noah fant episode and uh everybody go subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts you can also follow the show on twitter at yahoo fantasy if you are follow us following us on twitter then you should be subscribing to the show and if you're subscribing to the show you should give us a, a nice rating and review we'd appreciate it and then you can follow both Matt and I on Instagram and Twitter at Liz Loza underscore FF and at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. We are done for now. Bye.